the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello, welcome to the first 442 Insider podcast of 2013. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me as always is editor Aidan Norman. Hello. Online editor Kevin Ayres. Hi. And very special guest for this first podcast of the new year, football man about the world, Benjamin Coonan. Welcome, mate. How are you? Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Now, Ben, talk us just quickly. Oh, we were chatting just off air about your progression and your. you've gone from the Mariners, where you were a media manager for five years... A little jaunt overseas, some work for SBS and Fox, back Melbourne Heart team manager for two years, and now on another uh, trip around the world doing various things, uh, SBS and Fox and FFA. Yeah, well, I've uh, been away since last April. Yeah. Actually, uh, cross paths with Aiden in Japan in April, and then cross paths with Kevin in Barcelona in Steady, August. you'll be giving people <laughs> the wrong idea about this job. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a bit of a football trip about the world for a, for a year or so. I'm back for Christmas New Year with the family at the moment and I'll be heading off again soon to continue it somewhere else. Fantastic. All right. Well, mate, just chip in whenever you want. Hopefully you've been seeing some of the football over the break. Uh, let's kick off. Round 15 review. Uh, Newcastle, Adelaide played out a nil-nil draw. It was bloody hot. I wouldn't have fancied playing in that weather. Yeah, and neither did the players. Yeah, they didn't players. look like they yeah. much, Pes- did Pesky they? conveniently got the injury at half-time as <laughs> yes. well. So, um, Tactical groin. Oh, yes. Yeah. Ice bath. Yeah, but that's experience for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it uh, wasn't a great game. I think the conditions played a, a, a lot uh, into Even that's that. been kind to yeah. it. Look, it was, a, it was a long 90 minutes. It was, mm. yes. But, for everybody uh, involved. Yeah, but Adelaide, you know, still you know, unbeaten away from home on, in this particular game. So, yeah, good point for them on the road, I guess. You think, I mean, it's, you know, we, we talked about Adelaide. I mean, it's not so long ago that they were top and the Mariners were chasing them. There's a four-point gap now, and Adelaide are, are still in a bit of a, a, a slump mm. that they need to sort of get out of. They're not, they're not winning the games that they were. And this was a game that you would have said was eminently winnable for them. Yeah, but I, th- I think you know the same is also true for the Jets because they were up there top four not that long ago uh, and looking very strong. Heskey was f- couldn't stop scoring. Uh, they had a great team of the youngsters coming through with Virgili and uh, Goodwin teaming up beautifully down the wings. Uh, and then Gary Van Egmond started tinkering and they just slid down the lead the, the ladder ever since. Uh, you know, about... What, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, you would have said this should have been, you know, at least a goal each, possibly still a draw, but, you know, uh, Jets with a good chance of winning. I think Jets would be very grateful for that point. Uh, and Adelaide must be, you know, regretting the fact that that was two points lost for them. Would have kept them in touch much tighter with the Mariners. Uh, and at the end of the day, Newcastle Jets, eighth place, uh, Adelaide second. I know which way the, the result should have gone. Ben, can you speak objectively about the Jets, given your uh, history with the Mariners? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I really don't want to speak positively about anything associated with Newcastle, but, uh, <laughs> but no, look, I actually I saw that game uh, from my family abode, and I think positively for the Jets, even though it pains me to say it, um, to keep a clean sheet, I think that was their first clean sheet in maybe 18, 19 games. Yep. Mm. Uh, with a very young back line and a young goalkeeper, Mark Birgitti, is a positive step for them, so they can carry that sort of form and... Uh, and that sort of defensive poise into their games coming up throughout January. 
and uh, in February than they uh, they could yet feature in the final series. Even though, look, if they don't, we won't really mind it on the Central Coast. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've been close to, to teams. I mean, it, the thing that sits to me is that, you know, the, this sort of dip from the Jets seems to coincide with all the uncertainty around Tinkler and, you know, what's going on. Does that affect players in your experience? You know, the Mariners have been through their their issues off the field and, and, and you know, is, is it easy for players to just, well, we just get on with playing? Yeah, I think it's, it would depend largely on the, the playing group that it's affecting. I mean, at the Mariners, we had a really, really tight playing group dynamic there and they still have one to this day. I mean, John Hutchinson, Alex Wilkinson, the two of the best leaders I've ever had the pleasure of working with in any level of sport. Um, and they t- those two, as well as Noel Spencer before them, were always very, very... Uh, very good at, at ensuring that the team do, would just get on with the job no matter what. And Laurie McKinnon as a coach as well was, was great at sort of promoting that sort of an ethos. Um, so at the Jets, I'm not sure whether it would affect that, that group, but I think players, they've, they've got a good, generally a good uh, talent at just being able to block out whatever's happening off the pitch and, and just getting on with the job. And I don't think that any of Newcastle's woes in recent times could be really attributed to what's happening off the pitch out there at the moment. Okay. All right. I, I would say I thought it was great that Taggart got a, a game in the second half, and I think you, know, you would have seen him in, in Hong Kong with the soccer. I think he's a talent, and I think he did quite well in the second half. But um, uh, with Heskey going off, yeah, well, yeah. A, a, a tremendous talent, and rated very highly by the Australian coaching staff as well. I know Hardberger <laughs> has got tremendous straps on Adam Taggart, so hopefully he can start to see some more game time in the Hunter, and we can see what uh, what why everyone's so excited about him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, at West, Perth Glory, Sydney FC, uh, Shane Smeltz back on the uh, goal trail with a brace. Um, two cracking goals, very different. Uh, great glancing header uh, beyond the keeper. And then a uh, swerving finish first time after good work from Travis Dodd. Uh, great to see Jason Kalina get back yeah. on the scoreline. And, and good to see him. You know, Sydney FC will, will love seeing midfielders getting into the box and scoring goals because their centre forwards can't do it. Um, and Sebra with a late uh, equaliser. Lads, how do we rate this, Kev? Yeah, good point for Sydney. I think it's a very good point for Sydney. You know, it's a long trip, uh, and to be honest, I didn't expect them to come away with anything from that. Uh, to get one point, it's it helps. It's not a, a big help, but it does help, uh, and I think it'll be a big morale boost for them, apart from anything else, uh, to get back into to some kind of form. Uh, it's still very erratic, though. You know, win one, lose one, draw one. Um, they they need to be able to find consistency with the the starting eleven. Still got injuries coming and going, people coming into the squad, exiting the squad a couple of weeks later. Uh, they need a settled lineup, uh, and then you know maybe we might with the Joel Griffiths coming in a couple of games time. Eventually. We might, eventually. <laughs> And if anyone's seen Krulo Lovrek, please send us a photo. <laughs> Has anyone ever seen him score? Ever? Has anyone ever seen him, seen him train or play? Well, it? we saw him train in, in pre-season, and he looked absolutely knackered. Remember that training yeah, session we took? Yeah, but I do was, believe that, look, it's he, he was just off the plane, I think, yeah. at that time. But, yeah, it wasn't a good sight. Um, but, yeah, two point, a one point. It's got a, it's, it's, it's a start. It's a start. And glory, Ida? Mm. So, you know, positives for Glory will be seeing Shane Smeltz get on the score sheet again. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to have a push in the second half of the season. He's going to be central to that. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, Billy Mehmet says he's leaving the club and a day or two later, Smeltz scores twice. So I don't know whether there's a correlation between the two, but uh, 
disappointed that Mehmet's left the club because I thought he was a he was he's definitely a league standard. You're smiling there, Kevin. I'm. You're not a fan of Billy. No, well, look, I was a fan of Billy Mehmet, but I felt he was the wrong. Pl- uh, we'll what was the headline this one again? I we'll go back to this one again. But Billy Mehmet was the wrong player to hold on to of the visa players. We should, they should have kept hold of Andrezinho, in my opinion. Oh, here we go Mehmet again. Go. Yeah. Oh, we go. Yeah. There we go. Kev, come on. I, I warned you. It was getting back to the same point, but that. <laughs> Mehmet was a great player. Mehmet scored, I don't know, four goals this season. I just, you know. Anyway, he's How gone many to Bangkok. would Smeltz have scored if Mehmet wasn't there? I don't know. But look, he's gone to Bangkok glass. But uh, yeah, Perth yeah, still um, uh, up and down. Um, uh, and that stadium looks bloody awful on television as well, with the ha- half of it sort of being uh, uh, rebuilt, I, I guess. Yeah, they, they made much about a sellout. Sell out. But <laughs> the <laughs> <or> the <laughs> <everyone>. <laughs> it might help if you demolish half the stadium. <laughs> so it's a sellout. Hey. Nine and a half. Nine thousand. <laughs> Yay. Oh. But it was a cracking game to watch. I, mean, I thought it was terrific. And uh, Vuka, obviously, last minute, bit of a bit of an error to, to let in uh, several. But it just seems to me that Sydney like playing on the road more than playing at home. It just They seem to... Freeze a little bit at home. I don't know how it is. But. I mean, on, on the stadium side, it does look like it's going to be a cracking little stadium when it's finished. Yeah, yeah. yeah they've, uh, they've got that t- small tier and then a big tier on the top, yeah. right on top of the pitch. So mm. I love, love that. So. Mm. Yeah. But much is made, you know, we, t- we talk often about the, the, you know, the effect of travelling that far on the team, you know, being close to a team. You know, is, is it that much of an impact, you know, going out five-hour flight, getting off the plane, training, playing. Yeah, certainly in the teams that I've been involved in in the past, Perth and Wellington were the two trips that you wanted to avoid or the ones you were most wary of, I guess. Um, and the the amount of plane travel is one thing, but also it sounds a little bit trivial, but the time difference actually sort of knocks you about a little bit when you're used to getting up for breakfast at whatever time. Like for me, that's <laughs> 11 o'clock in the morning. But, you know, for the professional athletes, it's maybe 8 or 9 in the morning. Suddenly that becomes, you know... Six or seven, you've got a whole day ahead of you for an evening kickoff. Certainly, it's a tough place to go to. And NIB Stadium was one of my favourite stadiums to go visit, even before these redevelopments now, and they were selling out crowds. It's uh, it's a fantastic atmosphere there. And if they can get that stadium built and full every week, then Perth will become an even harder uh, place to travel to in the future. And as a media sort of manager or a team manager, take us through sort of your role and responsibility. So you fly to Perth, you get off the flight. You know, is the generally sort of media there waiting to be dealt with, or does it depend on who's in your squad? Or yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, we, we saw Del Piero being greeted by the, the customary sort of throng of Italians at the at the airport. I mean, it had, what's your sort of responsibility yeah. in that scenario? Well, when I was back with the Mariners, we never really had that same sort of an impact with Russell Woodruff when he was coming <laughs> over to Perth. With no disrespect to Russell, former former housemate as well, great guy. Um, yeah, I mean, like, generally with the team manager role that I did most recently at the heart, that's just basically uh, anything that you can think of logistically that needs to be organised, whether it's rooming lists or, you know, ensuring that Clint Bolton has an exit road to ensure that he's able to get his, you know, large frame into a Qantas seat. Uh, all of that's taken care of beforehand. And then once you get onto the ground, it's making sure the meals are okay, they're on time. Uh, you know, the buses get us to the ground on time, all that kind of stuff. So it's um, it's a little bit mundane, I, guess, I suppose, to, uh, to talk about. But generally just to make sure that, uh, that we get there on the day and the boys have got as little distraction as possible to, uh, to get the three points. Okay, cool. Um, victory uh, beat Phoenix 2-0. Uh, goals from Flores, Flores and Roas uh, took care of uh, Phoenix. Um, interesting sort of subplot to this was the, the 
treatment of Flores from the from the victory fans. Uh, where now on their forums they're claiming that they were shouting shoots. It's a bit like it's a bit of a boo earns for me. But, <laughs> 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 um, certainly, the, the general sort of consensus was that Flores was getting a bit of treatment from his own supporters, and he certainly felt like that because when he scored, he he ran to the uh, to the victory it's fans giving, and giving the ear thing. Say, yep. What are you going to say now? But um, you know, unlike the victory fans, that. Which yeah, suggests maybe I, I, I do kind of find it hard to believe that yeah. they were booing him. I mean, I can't see any reason to boo him. He's maybe not had the impact that they were expecting, but I still don't see any reason to boo him uh, in any way, shape, or form. And I just don't think the Victory fans were doing that, to be perfectly honest. I think um, it was more like a few sort of audible groans where I, he, I think he didn't play a player in. Or he had, yeah, you know. I think there's frustration uh, in you know the fact that with the false nine uh, system that Victory are playing... Uh, there doesn't seem to be the designated goal scorer and Flores is, is trying to find the goal scorer mm. whereas the fans want him to be the goal scorer uh, or at least take a shot and I think that's where the frustration was setting in and perhaps it, a little aimed at him but certainly not booing or jeering as such But when you got Roas banging in the goal Exactly, fun, yeah Who yeah. cares? Yeah, and Archie too so yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I think he played a slightly different role because he had a striker in front of him at, uh, at Adelaide, so he could work off a player. Whereas he seems to be doing a slightly different role here. But I don't think the Victory fans are like that. I mean, I've been in Melbourne long enough, you know. You know what no, certainly, like. it struck me as odd. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I but it, yeah. English is not his first language, so perhaps he just didn't quite understand <laughs> what they were saying. But um, yeah, good victory for Victory. Outstanding. And um, and with Rojas, I'll be interested in getting your guys' thoughts. I mean. Tom Rogic is the, the flavour of the month, I guess, but maybe not so much after what happened in Sydney. But uh, fill me in, is, is Marco Rojas, is he, uh, is he the lead talent in the A-League? He's the Kiwi Messi. The Kiwi Messi. Messi yeah. of the A-League. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he will be in the next <laughs> issue of 442, not today, but the next one. Um, yeah. I actually watched him when I was living in Melbourne uh, while I was down there with you guys. Um, that first season at Victory... Muskie was always on his back. He just didn't seem to be interested in training. He looked very much off the pace, but this season he's a transformed player. Is there a chance that he could go in... Well, he's said that he's not going to go in January, but do you think he's maybe a player who could be in Europe next year? And if yes, where? Yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I think he's, he's going to be one of those players, him, Rogic, who are on people's radar right now. I guess the question is, would people come in for him in January? Would he want to go? Rogic is uh, off to Celtic. Tomorrow, apparently, flying out for a trial. Not Rangers. Not Rangers. You know what? I mean, we'll talk about this in the second yeah. part because, uh, yeah, I've got some thoughts on this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, certainly he's one of the standout. What I was ultimately moment. trying to glean there is that I want an exotic location to go and visit. <laughs> the so, there's a chance he can land a deal in the Maldives or something. That would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Middlesbrough, I reckon, or Sunderland. <laughs> What's wrong with Sunderland, Jacko? <laughs> it's a bit grim up north. <laughs> Uh, and Phoenix, the you know, their, the their season, jungle. you know, a little, little bit up and down, um, you know, ninth, although, you know, you probably look at it and you think, you look at that table and you think Phoenix have been better than that. <clears throat> I, I certainly think, you know, but we'll talk, we look at the table, I mean, it's still all very tight, although we, we're starting to sort of I think, run out of games. But Yeah, I mean, Phoenix are going through a really poor a run at the moment. Uh, it's like one win out of the last six games or something. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty darn desperate stuff from them but they have been playing better football yeah. the, the results suggest uh, but they really need to, to start getting some points and some results from the, the style of football they're playing I think they're another team that's in, in transition Ricky Herbert 
and uh, Gareth Morgan under pressure from the owners is saying they want a more attacking brand mm. of football uh, and that's what he's trying to bring uh, but you know the, the danger of that is you leave yourself open at the, the other end and you look, concede goals you have to be able to score more goals in the opposition to take the points and that's where they've been letting themselves down I don't think um, I mean you, you, you look at them they're not that far off and in fact the whole A-League is very even so I still think they could potentially still make the six you know, in, uh, it's, in the it's sixth true spot. of everybody. I mean, you know, four points between Sydney FC and sixth place. Yeah. Sydney, absolutely desperate season, and still within touching distance. And mm. their star performer, Paul Ifill, of course, yeah. still to come mm. back. Exactly. He's, uh, he's yep. massive for them. Yep. Mm. Okay, your ex, uh, ex boys, Ben Melbourne Heart, hung on in the end. Mm. Um, it, was, it obviously went three 0 up. Goals from Williams, Tadic, and uh, and Fred. Uh, then a 67-minute red card to, uh, to David Williams opened the door for Brisbane. Two goals from Berisha. In quick succession, that the Melbourne were hanging on in the end. Um, and I was gutted because I backed the draw. So I, was, <laughs> I was cheering for Brisbane for the last five minutes. Um, but again, Melbourne Hearts season. Win, it, win a game, lose a game. Win a game, lose a game. And you know? I mean, I, I know they'd be all very relieved to get the three points in that one because there's been a few this year that, watching from, a, from afar where they've let them slip quite late on and had three points mm. in the bag but not sort of saw, uh, seen out the game. So two wins on the bounce for them now is fantastic and it will give them a, a lot of confidence now to approach the remainder of the season with. Apart from now David being out for uh, the weekend's match in Sydney, they've got basically a full-strength team to choose from. Vinnie Greller, I'm not sure what the situation there is, but uh, if he's not far away or if he is far away, they've got a, a ready-made replacement there who's finding form in Jonathan Germano. And, uh, and I think that J.A.'s now got his 11 to work with. He's had them a couple of weeks in a row. They've got two wins on the board, so there's, there's uh, plenty more to come from the heart. Okay, and uh, Brisbane, Kev, assessment of Mike Mulvey's first few games? No, I think... Been you, a bit mixed? Did, uh, no, I, I like what I'm seeing from him, to be honest. I can see the signs of uh, change coming in. Uh, I think Brisbane... What, what, what are the changes that you see? I think they're looking a lot more determined, to be honest. You know, they look a bit more committed on the field. Uh, you know, the, they look like they actually want to win matches and will push them beyond the limits to try mm. and get the, that win, which is what they were lacking before. It was just a bit of commitment. Uh, uh, he's also making a few changes to the, the roster as well. He's obviously identified weaknesses and strengths and uh, working towards them. So, yeah, I can see Roar really bouncing back very well from this. Uh, I was always keen to see what Mulvey would do in a, a senior coach's role uh, for an extended period. And I think, yeah, I think he's, he's going to end up covering himself in glory by the end of this season. Okay, I mean, he, you know, he, he tried a little tweak early on, which didn't seem to work. He tried starting with Barisha, starting wide left, and Barisha looked like he didn't want it to work. <laughs> and very quickly, uh, Breitch moved out to the left, and Barisha moved yeah. back in central, um, which su- at least suggests that he's looking at trying to change things mm. and tweak things, whether it's working or not. Is a, well, that's that's thing, you know, and he has hinted that he's going to do that again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's also brought in North overnight, and yeah. uh, I think Conte's on the road. I think being able to make those changes and then see that they're not working and revert to what does work is you know, a, a, mm. the sign of a good coach, to be honest, mm. rather than just being stubborn and insisting that... Or well, you could just get it right work. in the first place. Yeah. I mean, there why would that. you play? Bar- I, I don't that. know why you wouldn't play Barisha Central in, in exactly. any game. Just so yeah. it could annoy people annoy. out right yeah. through the middle, yeah. <laughs> spread it around, <laughs> spread the love There's around. A few people he hadn't irritated yet. Uh, Western Sydney uh, Mariners, uh, lover ex team of Ben's. This is like 
It's like having a, you know, so it's like more clubs than Jack Nicholas. Um, <laughs> and you do have a derby named after you, the, the Coonan Derby. The Coonan Derby, yeah. yeah. No, I, I didn't make up that term myself either. I wasn't pumping that up myself. Thank you for, uh, for getting the Coonan Derby. <laughs> so, so it, thank yeah. you for that. Zlatan McBrinovich. Again, <laughs> strikes again. And, and let's be honest, the first goal, absolute quality. Oh, absolutely. Not just the, the jinking sort of run, but the first touch. Yeah. The one two was unbelievable. McBrinovich, all the way. Cap him. Now, yeah. <laughs> it's the kind of youth we need in there. The shouldn't Rangers be rather than Maddie Ryan? Shouldn't Rangers be looking at uh, Daniel McBrain? Yeah. He's done a job in Scotland as well. He uh, has the fourth of Falkirk. Falkirk, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, he could do a job. Sorry, in third what, what did you two just say? That he played for Falkirk. 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 <laughs> Thank you. It's not often I get the chance to correct other people's pronunciations. <laughs> I'm making the most of it. Is it Falkirk Thistle? No, no, it's what is it? Partick This sort of brought to an end, you know, Wanderers is sort of, you know, crest of all I've run. Um, you know, great crowd there, like we said. I mean, we won't mention the few idiots that spoil it, but by and large, you know, what they, they mm. seem to be really gathering momentum. Um, yeah. You know, and you'd, you'd fancy if they can sneak that finals berth, that they're, uh, you know, they're going to be teams to be reckoned with in the finals. Well, I think, you know, on the field, they're, they're doing much, much better than I anticipated. I think probably most everybody would have anticipated. What off the field, though, uh, you know, there was a lot of doom naysayers that were saying six months is never enough time to set up a club. It's going to be a complete failure. I, th I think the, uh, the atmosphere uh, for, you know, a fairly run-of-the-mill in terms of profile match uh, uh, proved all of that wrong. You know, if you can get that kind of crowd with that kind of intense atmosphere for that kind of match, I think that's brilliant. Uh, it's just a huge, huge success story. And, you know, the contrast between what's happening down at Hart with victory on their doorstep and what's happening with Wanderers with Sydney FC in the doorstep, the, the momentum in Sydney has swung completely the other way. But um, you think, do you think in a way that the, the, the name itself, you know, Western Sydney have sort of, you know, carved out a very ready-made niche for themselves and it's geographical. Yeah, it's, but I mean, Sydney have had Western a monopoly. Sydney, Melbourne Heart, I, mean, I was going to come to you on this, Ben, you know, because you've been involved in building a club, you know, from from the ground up and, and your view of how Western Sydney have gone about things. And, you know, it, it is an easy niche for them because it's like, it's geographical. But Melbourne Heart didn't have that and are still trying to sort of find that point of difference um, between themselves and victory. Um, the thing that I always think about Melbourne Heart was, you know, is are the 5,000 people that have got Melbourne Heart fans that only, Melbourne Heart shirts that only turn up for the derby? Because that's well, what it sort of <laughs> appears like. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a very unique circumstance down there. I was actually speaking with Aidan about this earlier on. Um, certainly Western Sydney helped tremendously by representing a region and a particular part of Sydney which is very passionate about their football and very passionate about being Western Sydney people. Um, whereas, of course, the heart, we were coming up against a monolith in the Melbourne Victory who had done an outstanding job in setting up a club and a culture and had been very successful in Melbourne for the five or six years they were in the league before the Melbourne Heart came along. And we just were really just nudging up alongside them and hoping that there would be enough people that were, for whatever reason, disenfranchised with the Victory or disenfranchised with the A-League that would identify with Melbourne Heart trying to be an authentic um, and truly representative football club. As it's turned out, you know, it hasn't really exploded to the level that we would otherwise have hoped it to. 
Um, but I still think there's a core support there that if a team can get onto a run of form and run of results, maybe add a bit of star quality in there, the likes of David Beckham that was you know, uh, rumoured yeah. a little while ago, then there's, a, there's certainly a future there for the heart. And there's some great people involved in that club who are, who are doing tremendous things. But I think in the, in the first instance, if you were to compare Western Sydney and the heart, the Wanderers have had a, that, that advantage, like I said, they were Western Sydney representing Western Sydney region. The heart was sort of riding on the coattails of victory and trying to find a niche group of people that had a point of difference or that, that needed a point of difference to support a football club, which is much more difficult. Yeah. Mm. And also, you know, as we all say, secret to bigger crowds is winning football matches. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. Western yeah. Sydney's crowds have gone up proportionally with, with the success on the pitch. Yeah, mm. without a doubt. Mm. Um, I mean, one other thing, just to talk about, you know, that I think has worked really well this this over this Christmas period has been the scheduling of the games. Yeah. I think it's been excellent. Yeah, yeah. the summer oh, yeah. football. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think this game was a good example where you played, it was at six o'clock kickoff and it's on a Sunday, the last day before most people go back to work. So, you know, you're out and about. I think it was great scheduling. And I watched a game from uh, Melbourne Airport and it just looked fa- fabulous. Yeah, and no, I mean, like uh, everyone at the table here has seen football games around the world. The A-League stacks up marvellously against oh, a lot absolutely. of football leagues around the world. Definitely. I mean, uh, I've reading just recently, it, it dwarfs a number of reasonable European leagues. You're talking maybe Portugal, mm. uh, you know, the, the Scandinavian leagues. Even Belgium. Belgium, yeah. like, and I'd say with the exception of Celtic, probably the, the Scottish Premier League as Hall well. All of Scottish Premier League, all of um, Scottish football. And, uh, it's much, much bigger. And I mean, like, uh, we're quite Apart obsessed with Celtic. crowd figures and attendance figures in, a, in, a, in Australian sport in general. And the A-League certainly has got nothing to be ashamed of. It's uh, been a very successful season and a very successful league since its inception. Cool. All right. We'll be back after this break for... Um, actually, let's just quickly look at the table. Mariners top. Uh, everyone's played 15 games now. Mariners top on 33 points. Adelaide second on 29. Victory third on 26. Western Sydney fourth on 23. At the bottom, Sydney FC on 14. Wellington Phoenix on 16. Raw and the Jets on 17. Melbourne Heart 18 points and Perth Glory. 19, so it's still very tight. Everything to play for for the final spots. Um, but you'd probably say that the Mariners, you know, two or three more wins will really put them in the box seat for another uh, for another uh, Premiership. I think, yeah, we'll probably talk about this later on, but yeah, I can see a repeat of last season coming up ahead for them. Okay, all right, we'll get on to that. All right, join us after the break. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, featuring a world-exclusive one-on-one interview with Man United's Rio Ferdinand. We catch up with high-flying soccerroo Brett Holman and Western Sydney's marquee man Shinji Ono. Our secret interviews and player poll lifts the lid on what UK professional football is really all about. And get ready for your new season with 442 Performance's pre-season training guide. If you love football, you'll love 442. Buy it today at the App Store, Google Play, Zinio, or your local news agent. You know business could be better. You know you need more skills, but you also know you haven't got time to learn those skills. Go to workshops or listen to webinars. Don't stress. Listen to Business Success Radio for all the latest ideas to make your business a success. Get your business on track with the right advice from dozens of Australia's leading business experts in your office, your car or on your phone. Go to businesssuccessradio.com.au and click the Listen Live button. Business Success Radio. Your business, your radio. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the first 442 Insider podcast of the new year. Um, Quick chat with our special guest, uh, Ben Coonan. Um, 
Ben, talk us through, you know, in your various roles, media manager, team manager, we're talking about some of the, the, uh, the parts of it that, in your words, might be a bit mundane, but talk about some of the, some of the better parts, the better memories you've had over your sort of seven years in the A-League with, with both sides. Actually, you know what, um, there's an easy answer to that one. I, when we were at Melbourne Heart, we had a fantastic coaching staff of John Monskip, of course, a European championship winner with uh, the Netherlands and a legend at Ajax, Jesper Olsen, who's scored a goal in a World Cup, uh, Ante Milicic, a soccer of some note, and an NSL player of even greater note. Um, and John Aloisi, who, you know, needs no introduction. So we'd have little, uh, like, 4v4 games at the end of training. So it would be the lineup of, you might be, say, me, our strength and conditioning coach, Tom, uh, John Didalitza, who's got no knees left, and Peter Zoyce, our goalkeeper coach, who's also a diamond, uh, coming up against Von Schiep, Aloisi, Milicic. Well, they wouldn't spread it around. They'd no, stay no, in the was, and, and we would be dominated every time. <laughs> <laughs> but look, it was uh, to, to even have a kick around for just a guy like me, whose previous sporting achievement was a 13 Bs. Uh, minor premiership with Budgie OFC <laughs> to, to share the pitch with those guys was uh, week to week a tremendous highlight amongst other things and Ben uh, Van Skip he looks so fit oh man um, unbelievable how does he do it and tanned tanned very and tanned. good looking <laughs> very, how does he tanned. do it uh, look I, I, we often accused him of being a uh, sunbed user is that the right term yeah. like, but, um, but he staunchly denied it the whole time I caught up with John actually in Mexico recently when he was there with Guadalajara no, it was, it was just a pair of budgie smugglers and on the And yeah, the, the, the tan had not suffered one, uh, <laughs> one gradient of pigment whatsoever. No, he's a very, very fit, healthy guy, takes good care of himself. If I look like he does when I get to 50, then I've, I've made some serious lifestyle changes. Mm. He's, a, he's an absolute <laughs> weapon. <laughs> and your time, your time at the Mariners, I mean, talk us through some of your sort of more memorable moments there. Obviously, a couple of grand finals during your time there. Yeah, no, we, um, we had a good successful time there. I was working with Laurie McKinna. If I was working for any other coach in Australian football, I would have been fi- fired within the first week. I went there when I was 20, and, um, and I, I was so inexperienced but just had a love of the game. And if I didn't have Laurie, then... And a coach who was more short-tempered than it would have been the end of me. So working with Laurie was fantastic. We had a couple of great seasons on the pitch. The premiership in season three, but two grand final losses, which were unfortunate. Um, but largely a really enjoyable t- time in my hometown. And um, I think I mainly enjoyed just being that go-to guy for tickets for my family and friends and, you know, larging myself up. <laughs> <laughs> and talk us, through some of the, talk us through some of the moments where it, it's all gone wrong. Or I mean, with the Mariners, you never really had any sort of major well, we PR had, disasters, did you? After that, you to the grand final in Season 3, that was the grand final where Danny hit the referee. Of course, yeah. Um, which was a terrible morning the next morning. We went back for a uh, like a, a post-grand final drink celebration at... Club Bingara on the Central Coast and um, you know everyone wound up home depressed at like four in the morning or something and then the next morning we awoke to uh, some photos that some photographers from the Day Telegraph had sent me of Danny wearing uh, what was that boy he was it like a party boy he went oh as yes a, yeah, the, oh, yeah the Facebook oh, party Corey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey, Corey, Corey he went Corey as that guy um, you know that coincided with the media release from the FFA suspending him for nine months which then was then followed up with Andre Gumprecht being photographed yes. as a Nazi um, yeah. so that was an absolute storm of a day on the central coast um, <laughs> and you know after I'd been you know, 20 schooners deep the night before I wasn't really in the best frame of mind to deal with it all so that was probably the low point of the Mariners time but but how do you deal with that situation? I mean, the, the pictures of uh, Gumps. We love Gumps, but he was dressed as Hitler. I mean, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, 
Uh, at the time, uh, it was the Daily Telegraph, wasn't it? Daily Telegraph, yeah. And and Gulms, as you know, like he's a saint of a human, yeah. and he would never really deliberately try to offend anyone at all. And he got that one really wrong. Um, so the best that we could do at that time would just was just to try and get Gulms out there, so people could see his human quality to try and apologise for his actions, because he, you know, it's of course a very offensive thing, and it's mm. not re- it's a bit of a taboo subject, but. He, uh, yeah, he just got that one wrong, was really out of character. With Danny, that was a bit different, different because that was a guy who had his Olympic dreams taken away from him uh, and was, you know, seen out the day after this grand final incident on, you know, on the lash with his mates. <laughs> that was a bit more of a difficult one as well. But, I mean, in terms of the mechanisms we used to deal with it, we just tried to be as honest and as, as open as we could about it all within reason and... I think ultimately, you know, it, it worked out to a point, even though Danny missed the Olympics, but I think that the characters of Danny and of Andre stood up throughout it all, which was, you know, ultimately the best we could have hoped for, I think. Okay, and ne- next for you, what's, what's the plan from here? Yeah, well, back overseas in a couple of weeks. I'll probably head back to uh, the UK to begin with, um, if for nothing else, to escape this insufferable heat mm. and get <laughs> back into the lovely two degrees um, and to do a few more features on a few plays who are based in the UK and in other parts of Europe. And I'll be back here for the game against Oman in March in Sydney. And then I'll continue the journey somewhere else in the world um, thereafter. I don't really set too much long-term plans. It's all very much sort of off the cuff and see what works out at the time. But hopefully there's a capacity to catch up with uh, your good self or Kev or Aiden in some weird port somewhere in the world before too long. Excellent. Well, mate, thanks for joining us on your, uh, whilst you're here. Um, we've talked about some of the, uh, the, the, the in and outs, the moves. Uh, Jay North has signed uh, a long deal with the Raw, three and a half years, which is a Not fair deal for a 31 year old. Rocky Visconti has departed, looks like he's heading for the Wanderers. Um, Billy Mehmet has left Glory for Thailand. Ian Hogg has been brought in at Phoenix. Um, both Ian Hogg and Joel Griffiths though, are, are unable to play until the 14th. Yeah. which Sydney have not been mm. too happy with. Um, I mean, where do we stand on that, the, the transfer we I, I, mean, I think, to be honest, the uh, the whole January 14th thing took Sydney by surprise. Uh, well, it was pushed back when the season was yeah. pushed back, wasn't it? When Frank Farina was out of the country, he was working in Papua New Guinea, and Tony Pignata was working at Optus at that stage. So I've got a funny feeling neither of them actually realised when they signed Joel Griffiths that he couldn't start playing in the first of... Uh, January. But, but what I don't understand with the Joel Griffiths scenario is that he's contractless. Yeah, this he's is. A free I, agent. I don't understand so this I, bit I, either. I thought actually. free agents were exempt from any you transfer could, window. Yeah, I, I agree with this. This is the bit I don't not, understand. He's not under con- it's not a transfer. He is out of contract. Well, that's what they would have thought when they signed him. That's so what I we, but presumably also there's still an international transfer uh, paperwork that has to be carried out or something. I don't understand it. The whole A-League transfer release of players thing is a complete shambles and a sham. It's it's just random. We're going to get on to that. Michael Owen was interested for glory, uh, and now they said they're not interested in him. (laughs) Funny that. There was a comment on our Facebook, which is, oh, who are the media going to pick up on next? uh, (laughs) Hang Not on a minute. Guilty. The club send out a press release saying that they're in talks with Michael Owen. Then they issue a press release saying that the manager doesn't want him. What are we supposed to do? Don't blame the messenger. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, they're, they're looking for somebody. Uh, I think there's a sort of... Uh, Ian Ferguson has said that he had, you know, he had... He knew that Mehmet was going to be going or wanted to go and he's got people lined up. Obviously, it's not Michael Owen, but you would assume it's someone from overseas. 
Yeah, I think there's a disconnect between Tony Sage, mm. dream wish list, publicity side of things. Is this the same guy who said Kewell was going to sign and then Kewell arrived at Perth Airport yeah. and I'm here to play golf, I don't know what you're here for. <clears throat> Open negotiations with David Beckham, which was news to him as well. It's it's publicity versus reality of who Fergie wants him to the side and I think that that's where the, the issue may lie in that respect with them. I think Fergie does want to bring somebody in, but I mean... Would he bring back Androzinho, Kev? I, you know, it's an open opportunity. <laughs> What's he doing now? Apart from texting you every week before the podcast going, can you mention me again? 10%, 10%, mate. It's all yours, get me back. Um, I've no idea. Uh, but having said that, the new signing, the Japanese boy, uh, whose name I've the guy. the guy, that's yeah. the one, he was very, very impressive. Yeah, no, I was uh, like over, over Christmas. He, I mean, he, what, what do we think Perth need? You know, you'd say that they've, they've got a number 10 yeah. in Liam yeah. Miller. They've got an out-and-out goal scorer in Shane Smeltz. They've got a wide right in Travis Dodd. This guy and the guy look like he could yep. fit in my left. Where do, where do we think they need to recruit? I, I, I don't, I, I'm pretty happy with the squad. Um, yeah, I think the first eleven is strong enough, yeah. to be honest. I, I think you know they're looking for a little bit of depth. I mean, they, it's, it's not a young squad. I think that's the biggest issue they've got. Therefore, they need a bit of depth to replace that. Uh, and that, that's where their issue lies. Uh, but I think so they've got some great young players coming through. I mean, like Macaroonis is one that hasn't hardly seen daylight this season. Fergie's one of those bosses that just doesn't seem to be too keen to play young players uh, that quickly. I mean, Jesse Macaroonis is still yeah. on their books over there, who would be back up for smells, but I don't think he's getting with mm. a sniff of first, select, first team selection. Mm. Uh, maybe he will now, but if they, they replace Mehmet with like for like, you can only see Macron is getting mm. shunted further back into the uh, down the uh, the pecking order. So yeah, I think it's just depth they, they need more than anything. Perhaps okay. bring back Ellie Babalge to Perth. He sounds a little bit unhappy in Red Star. That could is be it? interesting. Babalge, Babal, Babal, my boy Babal, your boy Babal. Yeah, he's had a torrid time. It's a uh, mm. torrid time of things in Belgrade. Yeah. Definitely, he's had an unbelievable initiation into uh, European football. The new manager doesn't fancy him, apparently. So. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, ever since he was capped for the Socceroos, he's sort of been on the outer. I'm not sure if that was a bit of a, uh, a, a trick they were playing with him. But no, he's, he's had a, a very unique European football experience uh, to begin with. And hopefully when they resume their season, he'll be figuring a little bit more in their plans. But uh, if nothing else, it's toughened him up for his uh, mm. future European football jaunts. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get on to it. Rogic, uh, Matt Ryan uh, was the first. Obviously, we've been talking about Reading rekindling their interest in uh, in Tommy Rogic. Obviously, the first time around when he was at the Nike Academy following the chance, um, he couldn't get a work permit. Um, there was talk that he might be able to get one now, and, and this was why Reading wanted to pay a transfer fee for him because they had to prove that. So I, I read the whole detail. They had to prove that he was critical enough. To, for them to get the work permit, it's they can override the fact that he's not played a certain amount of games for the Socceroos. I mean, the, it, he's got to play three quarters of the last so many uh, Socceroos games to qualify in that direction. To get one automatically, yeah. or they can go. Or we need this player. We're going out and getting him. We're paying talent. a transfer yeah. fee. Yeah. We've got to bring him in. But yeah. I find it hard to, you know, he is a great player. I have a lot of time and respect for him, but I still find it hard to believe they could successfully argue that one. To be honest. Yeah, um, and this is what I don't really understand where the the Reading and Celtic interests have been kindled up. I think they're going to have a long hard slog to to get that visa. But you know, and Matt Ryan they, they was uh, rumored to be going to trial at Rangers, um, and now we hear Tom Rogic is rumored to be going to trial at Celtic. Now, 
what I don't get is what is this trial business? I know. It's yeah, like, hang on, you either want this player, in which case, pay us the money for him. We're in the middle of our season. You know, if you yeah. want him, where's your money? Come and, get, come buy, and have play. a look at him. I've never heard of anything so ridiculous. Yeah, I think it's it's the dis, just the poor respect that A-League yeah. has in many ways overseas, unfortunately, uh, where you know people want to see them in their own terms. And there is that a difference. Mean, I think you, there you, is a you, difference. They play 15 games. You want to see Matt? Well, just just get the oh, DVDs. I, I, yeah, just watch the A League every week. The coverage here is as good as anything. HD. There you go. Yeah, I think from their perspective, though, it's a case of yeah, okay, you can do it under those conditions with that kind of uh, opposition. Let's put him through his paces on a wet Wednesday night in you know uh, Reading and but the uh, bloody do that at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think do that in May when when the A League's finished. Yeah. Matty Ryan went to Spurs in August and I think Hull might have been Hull as well um, I think that's the right time to go and trial absolutely not long off season, of the season. Yeah. well I mean to be fair Rogic is doing it while he's suspended anyway so he's not going to actually miss any games uh, that he, he's going to be back in time for yeah, the for suspension still, I mean, Ben you know like, it's got to be destabilising for the Mariners when they've got oh, from, two of their but, key players but the Mariners are risking losing out on a fee if yeah, they wait no, until May they're yeah. not going to get anything from yeah. it of yeah. course, and that's ultimately what's happening there at the moment is you've got conflicting motivations for sending these players away. I'm sure that the chairman and the board of the Mariners would be keen to sell these players and Arnie, in the converse, would be desperate to hang on to them to try and mount a, a grand final charge and to try and finally bring the toilet seat to the Central Coast. But uh, whoever wins that argument will ultimately uh, dictate the, the future of these players, I think, a- along with the players themselves, of course. I mean, like, Tom wouldn't go if he didn't want to and, yeah. and Matt wouldn't have went if he didn't want to either. But Matt needs to go to a club that's going to play him regularly. You can't just go overseas to a club and just sit on the bench. There's no point. Of course. And I just don't see him getting regular game time because of his age and And not because of lack of time. And his height. And his height, too, yeah. Um, I I just... I've aroused with many people about this. (laughs) I, 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 I think he's a fantastic shot stopper, but I think at the very top level, I think top level clubs would, would look at his physical stature and go, I, I think he'd be better. Personally, I think he'd be better signing a long-term contract with the Mariners and carrying on till some club is willing to come in and pay substantially for him. If they pay substantially for him, they're going to play him. Mm-hmm. Then they'll actually pay attention to him and they won't just get him as cannon fodder for the squad's debt. Look, look, look back at Brett Emerton's looping header, the winning goal. Tell me what a six-foot-four goalkeeper <laughs> saved that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the same debate we had about Bubs and the, the Matildas. That's always the sort of thing that's kind of mentioned, the height of a goalkeeper. Yeah, well, yeah. I know. Well, we, uh, at the heart, towards the end, had Joey Didlitzer come along, former Croatian goalkeeper mm. and brother of, uh, of John Didlitzer, the football manager. And he was, for him, looking at goalkeepers to go overseas, he would automatically say, OK, you've got to be this tall, and then if not, then forget about it. So certainly yeah. in, in some European countries, particularly in the UK... It's a, it's a prerequisite. You've got to be a certain, yeah. a certain height. I mean, Spider was saying the same thing. We yeah, we had a chat to Spider about yeah. he, was saying he, he has was a certain was a prototype. Body, shape, yeah. body shape and height. Uh, he looks for the same body shape as him, long and spindly, yeah. uh, but height essential to him. How did Jimmy Fraser? How did he do <laughs> it? I mean, the cat that he is, he could jump, though. <laughs> uh, just as an aside, we've had our first case of a football Twitterholic. Uh, Bolton's <laughs> Marvin Sordell is in cancelling for a, for a Twitter obsession, according to uh, his coach, uh, Doogie Freeman, up at Bolton. Um, I mean, is this a sort of, you know, modern-day football problems? 
Bella, if you, see, you know, the rise of sort of Twitter and players on Twitter. I mean, obviously, the A League boys are, are not as high profile, and you know, I mean, someone like Rio Ferdinand now has got three and a half million followers on Twitter. I mean, it's frightening, really, isn't it? Yeah, no. And, and it's just another avenue for guys like yourself at clubs to be like, what have they said now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it, to be honest. I think that the, the players being on Twitter and having a face on there and being able to interact with fans and with critics and whoever is a fantastic thing. And I love looking at some of the banter. I mean, Archie Thompson, for me, he's marquee player of the A-League, marquee Twitterer. Yeah. I, I, could, uh, I could spend a day looking at Archie's tweets and just be entertained. Love it. And of course, you, you were at the club, which had the first A-League coach tweeting at half-time for Fox Sports. <laughs> Laurie was a pioneer. He's also the first A-League uh, coach to become a mayor. So he's, uh, he's a trailblazer in yeah. every sense. Yeah. So many ways. So many ways. <laughs> All right, well, it's taken us a while, but let's talk about uh, the Aussies overseas. Um, Curtis Good, one of your uh, old boys, uh, played the whole game this morning for Bradford. Who had a win against <laughs> Aston Villa? <laughs> what was the score, Jack? Three oh, one. First leg though, uh, isn't it? What, what, Holman and Heard neither, neither featured. Uh, Bradford are in the fourth division. Thank yeah. You. Um, and where is Aston Villa? Yeah. Although yeah. if we keep okay. playing like that, we're not, yeah. not for much longer. For long. Yeah. Shocking. Honestly, <laughs> you've had a lovely Christmas, haven't you, Jacko? Just talk us through your <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Fifteen goals against. No one scored. Nah. We got back into it, 2-1. I was like, that's it, just see it out. Eight minutes, just take 2-1 back. Concentrate, in defence, what happens? Concede from another corner. Shocking, absolutely shocking. How did Curtis Good play? Um, he did okay, yeah, yeah. he was playing, uh, I think he played left back. Mm. And um, yeah, did all right. I mean, to be fair, Villa didn't really... Yeah, Villa had a lot of opportunities and first 15 minutes could have been 2 or 3-0 up, mm. but... Um, but Villa didn't play with an out-and-out sort of wide right player. They played sort of four-two-three-one. So they had a you know Anzogbia, Vyman, and Agbonlahor. So he's playing like really two central strikers behind. It's a very defensive way so to play. So very narrow. They didn't get a lot of whips. So he didn't have someone running at him, but he did perfectly well. Yeah. I say with yeah. absolute bias, uh, is Curtis Good a long-term solution at left back for the Socceroos? With absolute bias. Well, I mean, the one that's come out, I mean, obviously, is Adama Traore. Yeah. yeah. And also one of your boys, Aziz Behic, as Aziz. well. I'd settle for Aziz as well, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, Curtis is quite a quiet boy as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, very uh, unassuming, very professional. He's got a, a tremendous head on his shoulders. I mean, in physical size as well as uh, yeah. <laughs> mentally. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's got a huge future, and I hope that he has a, a good stint at Bradford. Started off a bit indifferently with the, mm. uh, the transfer saga that almost knocked him out of the cup, and mm. then... Uh, I believe he was at fault for a goal in that game also, but but certainly he's, he's still very young and he's, he'll be captaining Australia at the Under Twenties World Cup later in the year. So yeah, he's on loan at Bradford, right? He's not. He's yes. not Newcastle. He's still a Newcastle player yeah. on loan. Yeah, they yeah. didn't yeah. Just sign him. First team Newcastle could use him as well. Yeah. So yeah, well, yeah. well they've, they've just signed the French fullback mm. in the transfer window to Bootsy. Yeah. But I mean, sure. Curtis Good is on a what is it? A six-year deal? Was it a six-year? It was uh, ridiculous. Uh, unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. Full credit to John Dillitzer as well. Got to give a shout out to my old mate at the uh, general manager of football yeah, at the heart. What a great guy. deal he wrangled there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, in the FA Cup, obviously last weekend was FA Cup third round. Uh, plenty of Aussies in action. Um, Adam Federici played a full game in goal um, as they as Reading advanced to the fourth round with a 3-1 win over Crawley. Brad Jones played a full game as Liverpool won 2-1 against non-league Mansfield. Let's talk briefly about um, Suarez. What's our thoughts? 
Well, you know, it's the referee's job to pick these things up. Kev? Yeah, I agree. You know, if you can, if you can get away with it, you, you get away with it. Uh, that's what football's about. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. I'm not Suarez's biggest fan. I think he's a great player, but I don't particularly like him. But I think in this, I think if it had been anyone else, we wouldn't really be having yeah, a conversation. And I, and I think but he whacked the ball into the net. I, the way he whacked the ball into the net, I think he fully expected to turn around and it's been get free kicked for him. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, and the other thing is, like for me, if like if that's my centre forward, and he doesn't do that, I'm like, what are you doing? Mm. This is the FA Cup. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. like, and that's exactly what the Mansfield team yeah, no, said. Fair, so, fair play to him. Um, yeah, that's the way it is. And I think if you took that element out of Luis Suarez's game, he wouldn't be the same player. Like, and you've seen it throughout his career, doing very questionable things on the pitch. But you know, that's what makes him the player that he is. That work ethic, that drive, that determination to succeed. If you were to ask him to curb that side of it you wouldn't get the same Suarez. Yeah, I remember people on the radio saying he should have owned up and told the ref to disallow the yeah. goal. It's like, nah. No, it doesn't happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Mark Schwartz was absent with a neck injury, which uh, if that's not sorted to, might be a concern for the Socceroos leading into World mm. Cup qualifiers. Uh, Fulham drew one all championship side Blackpool. Paddy Kisnorbo, good to see him back. Made yeah. his debut for Ipswich. Um, played the full 90 minutes, uh, but they went down 2-1 to Villa. Um, Millianak played the full 90 minutes for Palace, who earned a replay with Premier League club Stoke. Reese Williams played the full 90 for Middlesbrough. Great, great to see him great. back. Yeah, Outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Scotty McDonald was an unused sub- a substitute. Shane Lowry played the full 90 minutes for Millwall. Um, and Millwall played Villa in the, uh, in the next round, so we might see uh, three Aussies on the pitch in that game. Uh, Dean Buzanis. Played a full game for Oldham Booze. as they pulled off a shot, beating Championship side Nottingham Forest. Although now they're managed by Alex McLeish, that's hardly a shock. <laughs> um, and Curtis Good played a full 90 minutes as Bradford were beaten by Barnett. So there you go. Plenty of Aussies in action all over the place. Could we say Melbourne victories, Dean Bazanis? Was he a Melbourne victory player for Sydney 24 hours? hours? No, not in 24, 24 hours. hours. <laughs> Do you remember, that, re- remember 24 that story? minutes, actually, yeah. There was a, there was I've a... signed all. Oh, oh, I haven't signed. Was was on, deal... oh, he was on Twitter as it well. Was, yeah. Do you remember David Unsworth? He was like, he was a, played for Everton and West yeah, Ham. big defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like full-back, yeah. centre-back. He signed for Villa for less than 24 hours in there. And because basically the reason that he left West Ham was his wife was homesick because they were from from uh, Liverpool, and uh, then his wife realised that Birmingham, how far Birmingham was, still from Liverpool, and basically like put a foot down, and so we sold him back to Everton. And from then on, every time he played against the Villa, as soon as he got the ball, he's like, "Does your missus know you're here? Does your missus know you're here?" Anyway, on that note, we will be back after this break for the final part of this week's 442 Insider. You can now shop online at behindthewheel.com.au. Just go to behindthewheel.com.au and click on Our Shop, where you can find a wide range of auto accessories, from tools to audio, gadgets you didn't even realise you needed. You'll find them all at the Behind the Wheel shop. For unbiased car reviews, the latest car news, and now online shopping, go to behindthewheel.com.au. Check out our shop now at behindthewheel.com.au. 
The new issue of 442 is on sale now, featuring a world-exclusive one-on-one interview with Man United's Rio Ferdinand. We catch up with high-flying soccerer Brett Holman and Western Sydney's marquee man Shinji Ono. Our secret interviews and player poll lifts the lid on what UK professional football is really all about. And get ready for your new season with 442 Performances' pre-season training guide. If you love football, you love 442. Buy it today at the App Store, Google Play, Zinni or your local news agent. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of the uh, first Insider of the new year. We are now going to preview round 16 of the A-League. It uh, kicks off. Um, Adelaide hosts Perth Glory. Big game for both sides, this. Um, Adelaide need to get back to winning ways to uh, avoid... uh, Lose in touch with uh, with the Mariners, although Kev, you might share was your uh, your ideas on that. You were saying earlier that you think that the Mariners are going to. Oh blow yes, it. sorry, yeah. Um, no, <laughs> if it seems to be playing out the same way as last season, where you know they lost key players at uh, the January window, and basically what Arnie's having to do is have a storming first half of the season, develop a lead, and then just try and cling oh, on no. to that for the rest of the season. Uh, in as the they also go the into the ACL as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Arnie, we have had clashes with him in the past, but Jesus, he does do a wonderful job. I mean, he's seriously, he's, he's, he gets his unit working so well as a team. And he does, he, he's aware of the restraints and the constraints and the issues that are going to come up in the course of the season, and he still managed to find a way around it. And full credit to him, he's, he's, him and Ange are easily the two best managers uh, in so many different ways, not necessarily media uh, in Arnie's case, but they really are the head and shoulders, the best managers in the A-League. What, uh, what about Popper? Popper's doing a fantastic job, but I, I think he's he's still got a long way to go before I think he can overcome the trials and tribulations of what Arnie's mm. being faced with. Uh, Tony could end up being on a par with him, mm. but at the moment I think he's not quite proven yeah, himself. First season way. as a yeah. as a head coach, mm. and, you know, you you want to see him do you know, over a successive sort of period of time. But um, Ado, what's your thoughts on this game? Yeah, it's the derby as well. This is the uh, unofficial derby for Adelaide and Perth. It's the cl- I think it's the, they call it the derby. <laughs> the derby? Yeah, yeah, they call it the derby. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Adelaide mystified me at times. Um, I think Kuriska's out as well for yeah. a little while. Yeah, yeah. Two or three um, weeks. Yeah, look, as, as Kev said, I think both, this is vital for both sides. Hard to pick, hard to pick this one. I think... Uh, Smeltz will score, though, and I think he's back in form, I think. So um, I'm, I want to take a... Tip a Perth Glory win here. It's been tight previous meetings. Yeah. Uh, 15 Adelaide victories, 13 Glory victories. Oh, you've, what, you've got all the stats. Jacko, you've got you've all the stats in your head. How do you do that? <laughs> Easy, Tiger. <laughs> ben, what's your thoughts on this? How do you see this one going? Well, look, uh, Perth now with Shane Smeltz with his scoring boots back on uh, is certainly a much different proposition. And I, I remember correctly, he put in one of his... Best ever goals at Highmarsh Stadium when he was playing for Gold Coast. For Gold yeah. Coast, yeah. In fact, he's done he's, two of his best were on, at Highmarsh. I think there was another one where he pickpocketed a defender and just took him left and right and slotted it home. Right, so, so look, Smeltzy, uh, always dangerous. And now yeah. that he's found his, his form again, then uh, Perth is suddenly a much more different proposition. But Adelaide at home, always very strong. So, uh, look. Tip? Uh, 
Oh, it's something you have sitting on the fence for me, so yes, yeah, it's, it's a draw. Draw? Ada? Uh, glory win, tune in. Glory uh, win. 2-1 Reds. I'm going to follow Ben. I think this will be a draw. Ah, in actual fact, as I put on Twitter earlier this week, five look draws. through this and yeah, tell yeah. me that you don't see five draws possible. Mm. I had three draws in my tips and thought mm. that's never going to happen, so I changed I've them. got the old super Yankee on. <laughs> boxed it, whichever way it comes. Three or up and we're in the money. Um, Melbourne Victory playing a home game over in uh, in um, Tasmania, Launceston. Uh, host of the Mariners. Yeah, well. And, uh, fair play to Victory. Um, they announced that... Uh, some of the gate takings from the game will be donated to the uh, Bushfire Fund, which is excellent. Obviously, uh, been a tough time down in Tasmania or in a lot of places over Australia at the moment. Mm. Um, interestingly on that, imagine it was two years' time. Imagine playing an Asian Cup game last night. Whew. That'd have been hard, um, wouldn't it? World Cup in Qatar. Uh, I was in the Enmore Theatre which has got huge, big, high ceilings, yeah. and was air-conditioned to the max when I walked in. And there was about probably five, 6,000 people in there. Not, you know, on top of each other, shoulder to shoulder, same as you would when be. When was this, last night? Last night. You were actually one of your I was, bands again. I was being a hipster. Was this the Mariah Carey? Hot chip. Oh, uh, so you haven't seen Mariah Carey yet? Not yet, no. no. Okay, come that. on! I'm, I think that's in the vineyard. Mm. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, sweat was pouring off me, even with air conditioning, up to a max. How you can expect to play football in that is just, even with fancy sci-fi air conditioning mm. in a stadium, it's never going to happen. It'd be hideous. Absolutely Well, I hideous. ran home last night and I, I lasted 100 metres. <laughs> called it in. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's two years today. There's a there's an announcement going on at, or a press conference going on at the moment as we speak. Um, that is the two year sort of countdown. So it's a great question. That it's going to be an issue, you know. So it's well, actually, I'm not really a prolific Twitterer, but I uh, tweeted yesterday that for some perspective for how this tough the Socceroos did it earlier in the year in the Middle East, they played a qualifier against Oman there. And the mercury got to 51 degrees during that game. And, I mean, that's eight degrees on top of what we had yesterday. Yeah. You can imagine walking in that heat, let alone playing a World Cup qualifier. Stupendous. That's mm. really, yeah. really dangerous. And I ridiculous. was actually thinking of trying to do 10 press-ups just in the middle of the, the heat uh, yesterday afternoon. And instead, I walked from my house up to Camaroo, which is about 500 metres and back. By the end of it, I could barely breathe. Uh, and you know I'm not that bad shape I'm in pretty bad shape but not that bad <laughs> well, shape Jacko perhaps we should ask the Western Sydney Wanderers W League team who played in Canberra and got pumped 5-0 I mean you know they played in oh, that in game was cancelled because it was too hot on yeah. Saturday yeah. Yeah. to be replayed yesterday can somebody talk me through that <laughs> no I think, I think there was a lightning strike or something that, that caused it to be cancelled I thought it was the heat well, it was, it was the heat originally and then, and then, then, it, was then it was Cancel was the game, the game that was just it? never meant to happen. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. And then they got beat 5-0. So. Um, all right, let's get back to the game. Um, victory, Mariners. Uh, big game, this, for both sides. Mariners, obviously. Massive, yeah. This can open up a, a, a severe bit of daylight between the Mariners and Melbourne. Um, and you'd probably say Arnie looking over his shoulder would look at victory as probably, I'd say, one of the key contenders for, for oh, one and two. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I think it's a three-way bat- pretty much a three-way battle uh, at the moment. Possibly four if Wanderers really do go on a run. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's going to be... Uh, it could be Mariners and Victory down to the wire this season. 
and this could be the season decider in Tasmania of all places. Who would have thought that? Yeah. And look, it's, uh, we went there. I was there earlier this year for the uh, Victory versus Gold Coast game. Um, and look, they only had 5,000 on a Wednesday night, but this is a Saturday night, I believe. So they're expecting 10 to 12, and uh, that's going to be great. It's a great surface as well, good stadium. Um, and uh, I, it's just a pity that they weren't playing this at Amy because you would get 25 to 30 perhaps for this one. But, Interestingly um, enough, Melbourne Victory have just released Julius Davis uh, oh. from the squad, which frees up another place. It's a usual move just before you're about to bring somebody in. I can't think who it would be off the top of my head in this particular case. Um, so, yeah, it could be interesting to see who Michael Victory, bring, <laughs> <laughs> Victory bring in for the, the final run into the finals. Okay, the Mariners, I mean, you know, you probably look at this, as Kev alluded to there, Ben, the Mariners would probably look at this and go, this is a great opportunity because this is an away game at Melbourne Victory that isn't being played yeah, at Amy. Absolutely. This is a great opportunity, it's almost you know, a neutral game for us to go there and, and really sort of, you know, take a big step towards the Premiership. Yeah, well, firstly, tremendous of the victory you've uh, linked the game to the bushfire initiatives down in Tasmania. And great for the Tasmanian people to be able to see such a fantastic Gaelic game as well between two teams in form who will probably figure in the, uh, in the calculations at the end of the year. And a great opportunity, as you say, for the Mariners to get the points, but also to play a team like Victory who have got their full complement available to them at the moment um, without... Rogic, um, due to his suspension, and that may be the case later in the year as well. So it's a great chance for them to to show that they are a team that's much more than uh, than Tom Rogic, as they did last week in Western Sydney, and to uh, to post a positive result against Melbourne. And so it's, it's a tough trip as well. I, look, I think I think it'll be a draw. I think yeah, you're right. Come I on, think it's a really draw. It's a tough draw trip for me. <laughs> Gosford to Sydney, Sydney to Melbourne, Melbourne to to Launceston. It's a long trip. Yeah, unless they take a ferry straight from Brisbane Water all the way down there, you know, Sydney to Hobart, <laughs> like uh, Wild Oats is taking the Mariners. To that game. <laughs> no, I would I would love to see your Mariners win, and I'll, I'll tip the Mariners. Win. Look, it was one of the best yeah. games this year, so I think it'll be another draw. I, I'm tempted to say a draw as well, but I think actually victory might just squeak it. Okay, uh, and another two-one. Well, on victory as well, shout out to uh, to Guy Finkler who had his yeah. uh, had his surgery on his, his knee reconstruction yesterday. Apparently everything went well, so wish him well with his recovery. Um, the the A League caca. <laughs> um, You're working that one hard, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> so looks like him. He does. He does. Yeah. As soon as you mentioned it, yeah, it's a bit image. So. Yeah. Um, All you need to do is say, "I belong to Jesus." And, uh, he's got it. <laughs> All right. The Jets host Brisbane Raw. Um, Jets need to get their season back on track, as do Brisbane. Improving Brisbane under Mike Mulvey, according to Kev. Um, how do we see this one going? Later kickoff, which should help in terms of temperatures. Yeah, mm. yeah, it depends what the weather's like. Of course. I think it's supposed to be hot again this weekend. Mm. Uh, that's on right. Saturday, actually, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just for anyone listening overseas, when we say hot, we mean 40 plus degrees. <laughs> yes. If wherever you're listening in this, none, none of your wimpy 35s or something. 43 yesterday. Um, now, Newcastle Jets, if if they could get a consistent lineup, if they could you know, use the youth effectively that they've been threatened to at the beginning of the season and then change, then I think they could take the game to Brisbane Roar. Um, however, the way Brisbane Roar have been lining up recently, I still see them dominating. Uh, it's all starting to fall into place for Roar, I think. Uh, and if uh, unless the Jets do uh, find... That X factor they've been missing recently. Uh, I think Roar could win uh, 2 1, 3 1. Okay. Mm. 
I'm tipping a draw. I think it's will be another draw. Two evenly matched sides. Um, whether Heskey's playing, I'm not sure whether Heskey's playing. Careful with it. He should be, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I think a 1-1 or a 2-2 here. Two good sides, but slightly um, inconsistent. Well, I can't yeah. go for Newcastle, so that's got to be reasonable. <laughs> <all> the way. <laughs> right, I'm tipping the draw. Um, well, it's a Phoenix host Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, this is on Sunday. Right? Yeah, mm. Sunday. Um, obviously, Western Sydney's sort of momentum came a little bit unstuck last week at home um, to the Mariners. You know, they'll, they'll want to get straight back to winning ways. Um, Phoenix, again, as you said, Kev, uh, been struggling a bit of late, um, but always strong at home. Well, they have historically always been strong at home, but this season they haven't been as strong. They've been dropping points, uh, which is the, why they found themselves where they are at the moment. Uh, normally they'd be, you know, they've got seven losses. Uh, normally they've been a few more draws out of that. There'd be a couple of wins uh, at home, which would have propped them up further higher up the table. Um, so I think they'll be looking to turn that around against Wanderers. They'll see this as a possibility of, uh, you know, snatching some points back. Uh, Wanderers, just a fairy story as far as I'm concerned. You know, they, they've done, they've achieved already what Sydney have only achieved once in eight years with, uh, in terms of consistency and the three wins on the trot uh, up until last weekend. Uh, it's just fantastic. I love what they're doing. I love what they're achieving, what they're creating. I love the fans. Not so keen on the flair and the, the pitch. If you're going to do a flair, at least hold on to it. It's not just the, the amount of shirts that you see in the crowd. It's the atmosphere as well that they're creating. It's already, you have to say, they're on par with victory in terms of support. Outstanding. And I guess they'll be appreciating getting out of Sydney this weekend, playing in the slightly cooler climbs of Wellington. Mm, yes, a lot cooler, I would imagine. Yeah, no, I think uh, the Wanderers uh, heading over there, if I remember from, I was watching it somewhere in the world, but um, the last time that they played Wellington over there, it might have been an Antekovic, like he was yes. really to see what a flight of a ball. Yeah, and but that was it was the, windy as, yeah. Um, so they've shown that they can play over there to a point where they can match it with the Phoenix, and now they're in such a form and they have a confidence about them where they could they could really jag a result. Not an easy place to go to, but uh, the Wanderers with the quality that they're showing, and they're, they're not really at all inconsistent, even if they're not winning games, the Wanderers, they're, they're still, it's a very tight margin. I can't see them going over there and buckling under any sort of pressure. So I can see them uh, getting a win. And as a side note, I actually played a game of beach football the other day uh, with uh, Ante Milicic and Tony Popovich at Tamarama Beach. And if uh, their form is anything to go by, then it's a 6-0 win. <laughs> so predictions? Win for the Wanderers from Ben? I think I will go for the draw on this one. Come on. Who do we sing for? We sing for Wanderers. 2-1. 2-1. Draw for me. Um, City SC host Melbourne Hart to, uh, to see out the round. Uh, 5pm kickoff at Allianz Stadium. Um, how do we see it going? I know. Well, I want to ask the question, Ben, will Melbourne Hart kick Del Piero like they did last time? <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't actually see the last time they played them, but I did read afterwards that he came in for a bit of treatment. I mean, it's not really in the, uh, the Melbourne Hart way, as far as I know. Um, so uh, I would hope that, they'd, uh, that, that Del Piero would be able to put on a good show without too much extra special attention, but... It's a good it, test for the heart. Mm, it was an appalling game, I think, that first half. Last time these two played at, at Allianz, uh, I think you might recall one of the, probably the worst 45s in the first, <laughs> the first 45. It was one of the worst. Sydney in worst 45? Which one do you choose? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hard to pick. I think this will be a draw. Yeah? Um, uh, yeah, a 
It's got to draw written all over it. I don't know. Um, I think Hart could sneak this one, actually, to be honest. Uh, go for one from, nil on yeah, this one. My memory with the Hart in Sydney, so we had a good record there. We had a 4-0 yeah. win there. Uh, was that the Zara? That was last Christmas. That was last Christmas. Christmas. And yeah, uh, yeah, we yeah. also had a 1-0 win from an Adrian Zara. Yeah. Um, Goal. So uh, I would hope that the heart can continue it, and it's a tremendous opportunity for them to put their Jekyll and Hyde-like start of the season behind. And they've had two wins in a row, and this is a game that you would say would be reasonably winnable for them. Mm. Uh, it'd be great for them to go out there and show that they're a team that's turned the corner and uh, put another three-point performance in. And how many more times can we say vital game for Sydney? This <laughs> <laughs> I've given up on it, to be honest. And you know, until uh, they do something substantial to change things. Well, that substantial thing is to play Joel Griffiths, which they can't. Yeah. 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 But, you know, as we said, you know, this season is like, with Jets and Raw facing each other, if if one of them loses that game and Sydney win, they're they're equal with Brisbane or Jets and it's back in touch and difference. It's ridiculous. Mm. And it's quite incredible. You know, Sydney really have had a shocking season, and yet they still are in touch with, you know, a place in the finals. It's incredible. I think it's, it's still it mainlines all the way back to what did they do in pre-season? I mean, it's a long pre-season. Crookie, I don't know what happened there. There yeah. doesn't seem to be any structure in place. Yeah, but, you know, even still... But they, they have an injury, they, they fair enough. They tried to turn that around by doing the double training and uh, uh, intensive workouts regardless of the weather. And as a result, they've still carried on this legacy of the injuries that was plaguing Crookie when mm. he was in charge. Instead of then being able to regenerate uh, and build on the players coming back, they've now been injured again because it was needed such an intensive workout mm. to get them back up to a fitness. That's level. what I'm saying. What's, it's, what's it's been just going on? Whole perpetuating the season's virtually a write-off for Sydney, I think, to be honest. Until Joel Griffiths comes in, if he can hit the ground running and they can get some key players back, they might save some, salvage something out of it. But at the moment, it's it's just a complete disaster. And I really hope Del Piero doesn't get hacked down again. I'm fed up seeing him rolling around the ground. And he does just get up and get on with things again. But you know, have some respect. <laughs> Keep what? All right. Yeah. That's it. First one back in the can. Ben, thanks a lot for coming in and joining us. Wish you well on your travels. So we'll keep in touch. Pleasure. Lads, thank you. Get out and support your A-League this weekend. Go and support your local team. You, Meg. New mag on sale today. On sale Aido, today. To Cover Rio Ferdinand one on one plus uh, Shinji Ono, Western Wanderers, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers special. Um, Brett Holman talks about life at Villa. Jacko? Glad you didn't do that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you did that a couple of weeks ago. Plus, uh, if you're a winter <laughs> footballer, a six week preseason guide by the experts, nutrition, technique, fitness. It's all there. Uh, and the secret you... poll from the, yeah, from the so UK, secret say. interviews of a CEO, a player, physio, a um, but then a secret poll of 100 professionals from the Premier League, from all four major divisions, which has been making headlines in the UK, mm. as, uh, in the mainstream press in the UK, so get yourself a copy, very yeah. interesting read. Yeah. And it's out today, go online at uh, au.442.com Or if you've details. got an iPad thingy. Um, or an Android thingy Android. now. Android as well. Yeah, yeah. We've got any thingies. App Store, All thingies. Google Play, you name it, yeah. it's there. If you or, touch it with your finger, you can read it 442 on it. <laughs> just get a subscription. Yeah, or just subscribe. But anyway, get the mag, keep us in the job. We'll be back next week. See you later. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.